being on restoring the team. Restoring the team. Restoring the team. On restoring the team. And I want to pray for our, our, our tithes and our offering. All those that are watching us live on Facebook and YouTube. Come on. Give them a good clap offering. Amen. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for your consistency. We are grateful, amen, for those that are watching us and those that are, that are here. Amen. We're grateful for all of us coming together to continue enhancing the kingdom of God. Amen. We're going to pray for the tithes and our offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. As we give our tithes and our offering to you, Father, as we trust you in the midst of adversity, in the midst of our trials, we stay faithful to you, Father. We stay committed to you and giving what belongs to you. I pray, Father, a financial breakthrough on your people. I pray you bless them, Father. I pray for their jobs. I pray, God, for raises. You continue allowing them to be blessed like never before, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go to me to John, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We are going to start in John chapter 20, verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19. If you have your Bibles, say amen. If you don't, say help me, Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 19. Go in, ahead, in the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace to you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Them, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Father, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, God, that you would awaken some things in us, oh God, that you would restore the team, restore the leaders, restore the people, restore all those that are here and those that to come, Father. I pray you would speak into our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. I, I want you to see the picture here. Jesus is about to restore his leadership, restore his team. And the picture here is this, is he had just resurrected. And when he resurrected, he showed himself to Mary Magnum. Now you got to remember Mary Magnum and the women, the Bible says, they were the ones who funded Jesus' ministry. They were the ones who were there and giving towards the ministry to help them. And so uh, um, there's so much men and women were doing great things, but the Bible has a tremendous scripture that says that the women took care of and helped the ministry of Jesus. That's, that's a heavy, women, you should give yourself a great clap offering because I'm telling you right now, women are sensitive more than men. And, and, and so there's something about a, a woman. So when he shows himself, he shows himself to a woman. And so this, his significance is he values women. He valued women. When Jesus was, was sent to the earth, he came through a virgin Mary, through a woman. And so there's an importance that women, you guys are important. You play a heavy part of the building of the kingdom of God. Many, you do a heavy part in building the kingdom of God. And so we need to understand that we're important. Tell you, you're important. You're important. You're important to the kingdom of God. So he shows himself to them and then he shows himself to the other disciples 
and, and, and they begin to hear about him. And now at this point, at this time here, in John chapter 20, verse 19, the Bible says it's evening, and, he, and being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, they were afraid because of what the uh, Sardarians had did, and they were afraid because they were, they, they were saying, they're gonna, if they kill Jesus, they're after us. We were the followers, we were, we were, we were his leaders, we, 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 we were with him, and so that's just a man, they're gonna come after us. So they, there, was a, there was fear on them. There was fear on them. And the Bible says that, that this is the thing, please, it says disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst. Wow. He, he stood in the midst. Now, this is handy because I, I, I need you to see something. Jesus is about to come and do some tremendous restoration. The Bible says that Jesus says, peace be with you in verse 19. And when he's speaking to the disciples, he's already, he's already resurrected. And when he means peace be to you, he means peace to overcome the fear. Peace to overcome fear. He's talking to the disciples uh, uh, on what happens when you start going through things and you start dissing yourself and you start going through stuff. Fear has a way of consuming us. Fear has a way of paralyzing us. Fear has a way of getting slowly and deep inside us and we don't even know that we're fearful. And so we have to understand that here, peace, he's saying, let peace come to you for the fear of the Jews. You guys with me? He says, so I want this peace to help you overcome fears. So he said, I, I, we have the peace of God to overcome our fears. Whatever situation we're in right now, even with this coronavirus and this thing, this, this pandemic that we're in, he says, my peace will help you overcome those fears. Come on, somebody. Not saying, this, this is what you got to understand. Not saying that it ain't what it is. It is what it is. But fear should not be conceived in us. How many are catching that? That fear should not be conceived in us. So he said, let peace come. So fear can leave. Let peace come so, so, so fear can leave. Someone say, fear leave. Come on, those that are watching us, say, fear leave. Say it again, fear leave. Fear's got to leave. Now, there's a second piece that he says. There's a second piece. He's, then he goes on, he says, when he had said to them and showed himself his hands and his feet. So he showed himself and showed the condition that he went through, the, the, the piercing. And it's funny that he did not show the significance of the stripes. But he shows the piercing in his hands and his feet. And the Bible says in verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Listen, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. This piece, the second piece, is as the Father sends you, representing the peace for service. The peace for to you to do ministry. So he's saying, I want, I want the peace of God to fall on you to get rid of the fears. And I want the peace of God to fall on you so you can continue serving in the ministry. <laughs> serving in your position, serving in your leadership role. Serving as volunteers, serving as a worker, serving as a believer of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And so that's what he's saying. I need to bring a peace, a peace that gets rid of the fear, gets rid of the anxiety, gets rid of the junk that will disable us and keep us handicapped. Come on, somebody. So he's saying to us, he's saying right now, the same peace that God gave me. I'm coming to you and I'm giving it to you for service. 
Wow. Because God said you can have peace in the midst of this pandemic. You can have peace in the midst of your situation. You can continue serving in God's house. You can continue serving in God's kingdom. Come on, somebody. You can continue serving at your job, wherever you're at. You say, I'm going to continue. I'm going to have peace. Somebody say, have peace. Have peace. Have peace. And he goes on, church, and, and, it, and it's pretty intense because he, he's ministering to the disciples. And it goes on. He says, it's verse 22, and I love this part. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. You ever got on some wrong somebody when they're talking to feel their breath? <sighs> and if it's bad, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Behind me, death breath. <laughs> Put a bottle of mint in it. Do something with that. But it was, it was, they, he breathed on him. Now remember, when man was formed out of the ground, what did God do? He breathed into man. And man got life. Come on, somebody. Adam got life. He breathed into Adam and then life was given into him. There was life. So what he was literally doing, he was breathing on them life. Ooh, come on, somebody. Because when you go through things, it seems like you're spiritually dead. When you go through a situation, you feel like you're dying, spiritually dying. Maybe you're having a spiritual heart attack. Maybe you're having a, a spiritual struggle and you haven't been passionate like you used to. And so he knew that. So he, he speaks peace to go come up with the fear. He, 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 speaks, he speaks peace for them to serve. And he breathes on them to give them back life. Life. He's restoring his team. He, come on, he's restoring his church. He is restoring his people. He breathed on them. Jesus breathed on them, gave them life to overcome their dead condition. The Bible says, then after that, he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what got me. Is, remember when he, when he was crucified, the Bible says that he says, uh, uh, he, he gives up the Spirit of God and, and he gives up the Holy Spirit. And he goes, I send to you the comfort, and he gives up the Holy Spirit of God. And he's telling them right there at this point, I need you to receive the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Now listen to this. The Spirit of God represents the power. The power. You got to remember, when he was with them, he gave them power over unclean spirits and over demons. Come on, somebody. And over sicknesses. And they had forgotten that. Because how many know when you start going through things, you start forgetting stuff? You start feeling like, I can't do this. Why, why, why go to church and, you know, it, it ain't real. And, and you start questioning yourself. You start questioning God. You, you start questioning your, 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 your place in God or your, 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 your will with God or yourself. And, and you're, you start saying, man, man, is this real? And so he's telling them these things. He says, you need to receive the spirit of God. You need to receive the power of God. You need to receive that power that you use to go and to minister and to do what needs to be done. But it don't stop there. It don't stop there. He does something that makes them come out of their shame. Listen to what I'm saying. Look at verse 23. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
He's trying to tell them, look it, let me tell you something. He says, I forgave you and I don't, I don't allow the shame to be on you. So he's making them understand the power of forgiveness. So forgiveness, listen to what it does. Forgiveness brings redemption of shame. How many know the enemy wants you to stay in your shame? Oh, you ran, you hid. Those disciples, these disciples, listen what they did. They abandoned Jesus when they came from in the Garden of Gethsemane. They ran. So the enemy was trying to keep them stuck in shame. They allowed them from getting back up. And he says, no, he says, no, he says, no. He's making them understand the power of forgiveness. If you forgive, they're forgiven. Come on. But if you hold on to it, you bound yourself. So another reason saying, man, okay, I forgave you guys. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to work the shame on your life. The enemy brings shame. God brings conviction. Big difference. Come on, somebody. Big difference. Shame makes you run and hide. Conviction makes you repent. Come on. Conviction makes you repent and get better. Come on. Repentance brings you to the altar. All repentance brings you closer to God. Repentance brings you down on your knees. Repentance gets you healthy. Oh, repentance gets you healthy. But shame, oh man, shame, oh, it makes you hide, makes you run, makes you feel unwanted, makes you feel uh, uh, like you're undeserving and you just get on some trip and that shame takes over and you start making you say things, start making you talk ways, make you start saying lies and, and it makes you play your mind and, and all of a sudden it makes you get angry, makes you get frustrated and all of a sudden you want, you want to fight. Come, I'll fight, let's do this. I was, I was watching a preacher today and he made me laugh. And he's a famous preacher and he's talking about how he, he was with his kids and he got in a fight with some. I go, oh, I ain't the only one. Praise the Lord. Made me feel good about myself. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's a Christian commercial. Praise the Lord. But this is the thing. That's what it does. Shame does to you. It makes you want to be right all the time after you, hit, you curled up to a ball. So he's saying, I came to redeem your shame. Come on, we don't, need, we don't need to have shame on us. See, no more shame. If you have never been shamed, if you don't never felt shame, then you never done nothing wrong. Ooh, Lord have mercy on you. Everybody okay? So this is, this, I love this, I love this. Listen to this. Peace for fear. Peace for serving. Breath for life. The spirit for power. Forgiveness for redemption. Come on, somebody. That, that man, he comes and he brings that to his disciples to because he's restoring the what? The team. He's restoring the team. He's restoring the team. He's right here, he's dealing with the disciples. He's dealing with the type, he's dealing with the team. And dealing with team, every, not everybody's the same, not everybody goes through the same stuff. So now he's gonna deal with somebody called Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. But Doubting Thomas wasn't always Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas, was, was, he was down, man. Doubting Thomas, he was, he was down. The Bible says when Jesus went to go heal Lazarus, that they were, they were talking about death, and Tom, Thomas says, you know what? Let's go die together with him. Come on. There was no doubt in him. There was no fear in him. He, he, he was down for the Lord. He was down for Jesus Christ. He, he was full of faith. He was full of passion. He was, he, was, he was full of fire. 
But shame called him to be full of doubt. His trial, his tribulation filled him up with doubt. His situation in life filled him with doubt. This is the thing, church. His unbelief or his doubt made him unreasonable. And when you allow yourself to become unreasonable, you're dangerous. His doubt allowed him to be stubborn. Am I talking to, am I preaching to the choir? Hallelujah. And his unbelief, his doubt made him aggressive. Made him aggressive. You have to watch out when we think it's just doubt or, oh, it's just doubt. You know, it, it does things to you. It makes you unreasonable that you can't even listen no more. And you can't even listen to your brothers no more or listen to your sisters no more. Come on. You won't even listen to the word of God no more. And it, it just creates something inside you. And it makes you, it makes, it makes you unreasonable and it makes you stubborn. It makes you aggressive. Have anybody ever been there before? I'm in the right. Are y'all going to heaven? Except the men's home. They're all like just. And the few of the women's home. But the whole church, their hands went up like this. I'm in the right place. Amen. But reality, it makes us unreasonable. And, and, and it makes us stubborn. Look, listen, listen what happens. Look at all of a sudden. In 20, 24 to 29. But one of the 12 Thomas called twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will never believe. He said, no, 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 no. Come on. He said, no, I'm going to see it myself. And he said, no, I want to I wanna put, my put my finger. Come on, somebody. He want to stick his finger in Jesus' hand. And, and, and his feet and whatever in his, in his side. This guy's crazy. The disciples, they didn't even do that. They, they, they seen they were cool. But he, he didn't want to even listen to them. Made them unreasonable. Huh. Made them stubborn. Made them aggressive. Goes through it. After eight days, his disciples were indoors again. And Thomas was So you got to remember, eight days of this. Have you ever been around someone who was stubborn for eight days? Never, just forget one hour is bad enough. I've been around some, just some people I don't want to even get around, man. I'm like, I don't want to be around them, man. And then eight days, forget it. <laughs> they, 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 they're mad and they say things and, 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 and they're, they're aggressive and saying things that they, just, they have no control of their words. They're stubborn and, and they're like, no, no. You know, you want something? No, 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 I'll do it myself. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever dealt with anybody like that? Or were you that person? I know, I, when, I, when I get stubborn, I'm stubborn. So stubborn that my wife's been with me 23 years and I don't know how she did it. She deserves a purple heart. But those are things, guys, that, that we need to understand. And so here is the picture. Eight days went by. The guys are all happy, but they can't be too happy because this guy's over here being aggressive. This guy's over here being stubborn. This, old, this guy over here just being unreasonable. And you're a leader, and you're a believer, and you're wrong others. And, 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 and he's affecting others because, listen, fear affects people. Stubbornness affects people. 
Have you ever walked into a room and somebody has a bad spirit, you can feel it? And you're like, hey, God bless. And they're like, they're like, you're like, oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's contagious. It's an attitude. It's an atmosphere. And so among all these men, there's, there was something powerful. They were excited. They were excited that Jesus kept his, kept his word. Jesus restored them. Jesus dealt with them. And there's one guy right there trying to kill it. So all of a sudden, the Bible says eight days later, even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. See, see, a lot of scholars say that that that, that he that, that the door that he um, the door was not locked, the door was open. They say he went right through it. All I know is Jesus is right there in their face now. Go ahead. He said, "Peace to you." There is again. What was his first words? Peace to you. Wow. Peace to you. He's 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 calming down. That aggressive guy that's there. He's calming down the doubting Thomas. He's calming him down. He's saying, peace to you, man. Let, 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 let the fear leave you. Because you got to get ready to serve, guy. Come on, it's got to get out. Let peace come to you. Come on. We got to let peace come to us. We have to let peace come to us. You got to let peace come to you. The reason why a lot of us, we don't stay stable because we don't let peace come. So when Jesus comes, he's coming with peace. You want to be stable, let peace come to your heart. You want a stable marriage, let peace come to your marriage. Come on, somebody. You want, you, you want, you want to be stable in your family, let peace come. In verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. <laughs> Hit him right there. He goes, man, come on, man. You got to remember... Oh my God! I'm, hold on, that's, the next, that's the next piece. I can't. Cause I want. I want to. He. He. He's. He has spoken to them. And he says, "Man, come on! Don't. Don't act like your unbelieving self." How many of sometimes we can act like the old us, our old way of thinking, our old way of doing stuff? Amen. In the midst of a trial, in the midst of a circumstance, and we allow the unbelief to overcome the believer that's in us, and so he, he hits them right on his mark. And, and he says, man, come on, get that unbelief out of you, man. Be a believer. I love this next part. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. <laughs> my Lord and my God. He gives him a double whammy. He says, man, he says, you're my Lord and you're my God. You, you are, come on, you are over my life. Man, he, be, he begins to believe and it changes the way he speaks and it changes the way he acts. Everything begins to change about doubting Thomas. Come on, somebody. There's a transformation. There's a breakthrough. Because God dealt with his unbelief. Go ahead. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed. Hmm. Come on, somebody. He said, he said, you see me and you believe because you see me. He goes, but those that don't, oh, my God, you are blessed. Come on, somebody, you are blessed. Why did he say that? Because he said, he said that amongst the disciples. Because some of those that were there that were believing, because they say that there was the other 70 that were with him in the crowds, and they believed. But the one that was not listening was Thomas. But the other ones were picking up what they were saying, and they were catching it, and they believed. So the Bible says that he had his three, he had his 12, he had his 70, and he had his multitudes. And so they were there, and they were around there at this time already, because there was a stirring and so they believed what the disciples said. 
So that's why he said, there's a, a blessing on you. There's a blessing on you. Amen. Now, now look, look, at, look at verse 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. There was a lot more things that he did that are not in the book. And there's another scripture that says the same thing in 21 verse 25. It says, and there is also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the book that would be written. So all the stuff that we talked about, a lot of stuff that we preached on this month about Jesus, he goes, because this is not even in the, there's a lot more name in the known containment of what he'd done. And that's how powerful he was. And that's how great he was. And he said, I need to get my team back to power. Come on. I need to get my team restored because we're about to do something great and something mighty. And so the Bible says, now he does that. Now he's coming again to minister to the disciples again. Look at chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Okay, hold on right there. Hold right there. So you got to remember, he, he spoke to him, he showed himself. And about this time, he comes to the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is the same place where he picked his first disciples. They call it different here, but it's the Sea of Galilee. And it's the same place where he called his other disciples, where he called Peter, Andrew, Simon, and the other one, uh, I forget his other one name is. And he called it the four. And, and the sons of Zubedee. And he called them. And he comes to the exact same place, because what happens when we run from God, where do we go? Back to our vomit, the Bible says. We go back to the same place we came out of. And sometimes the Bible says we get, we get worse. So he comes back to them because he's trying to get them to wake up. He's trying to stir them up. He's trying to restore the team. Go ahead. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and the two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. <laughs> We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Men, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Therefore, the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped and plunged into the sea. But since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there was so many, the net was not torn. Okay, stop right there. You got to remember in the beginning when we were preaching, he went there and he tells them to cast the net to the other side. And then when they were catching the fish, the nets were breaking. Do you see the comparison of what's going on? He's almost, he's restoring them and he's getting to, them to a point where he's trying to remind them of how God worked in them in the beginning. 
And when God begins to restore you, he begins to show you what you used to do. He restores you who you used to be. He begins to show you glimpses and he gets you back to be passionate and get back your hunger and get back your fire and get back your prayer life and get back, back that passion, desire for God. And, and he's telling them and he's, and he's speaking to them. And all of a sudden, he, the Bible says in the beginning of this chapter that they hear, but they take off. Listen, Jesus doesn't begin to show him his faults and failures, but the third time he sees them already. And he goes, and, and, the, and, and he takes off, and, and, and he's at the boat, and he tells them, come on, put, put their nets down, you're going to get some fish. But they weren't catching nothing, and they caught them. And listen to this, the nets didn't break, and they drug them in. Last time, they called for the other followers to come and help them, because for the need for more followers, when I preached on more followers, remember I talked about follow me? Well, this right here is saying, look it, I don't want to work with the followers right now. I'm dealing with the leaders. I'm dealing with my team. Come on, somebody. I'm dealing with the leader of the house. I'm dealing with the leader of the home. I'm dealing with the leader of the church. I'm dealing with the leader of his life. And he tells them this. And, and the Bible says they drag it in. And Peter jumps up and go help. And, and he bring, they bring it in. Now Jesus sits with Peter. And he's about to deal with him into intimate, intimate parts. And here's the point where all of a sudden Jesus is dealing with Peter. And when you let God deal with you in a personal level, something happens to you. Something takes place. And the Bible says here in verse 12. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. Verse 14. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. See, this is about the third time. Now in verse 15, we're about to get to some point where Jesus now has to deal with Peter. Because I believe, church, that there's times where I've, I've seen people do things and, and, and I have to let them be, just let them be. And they come to church and just let them be and let them be until there's a time that we have to talk. And Jesus, the same way, Jesus will let you come to his church. Jesus will let you come, and, and he'll be speaking to you because he wants to deal with you. He'll speak to you because he wants to deal with you, but he don't say too much to you. He's just trying to get you ready for you can hear. Listen, how he's feeding him and how he's loving on Peter. He's not condemning him. He's not throwing rocks at him. He, he, he's not getting and putting his face into the... No, he's just loving on him and feeding him, talking to him. He even built a fire for him. Keep him warm. He gives him something to eat, he gets him to eat and some bread and, 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 and then he gets there and now, now he's gonna get into an important, important place and all of us need to be at if we want God to restore us to the fullest. If we want to allow God to do what he needs to do in our lives. Look in verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time. Do you love me, he said, Lord? You know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk whenever 
you wanted, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He's, he's telling him, look it, you're going to need help. Receive the help I'm about to give you. Receive the help to get you to a better place. Now listen to this. Jesus is dealing with Peter, and he tells him to feed my sheep. Now we must let the word of God to deal with us. We must let the word of Jesus do its job. And when God's word is coming, the Bible says, he says, Jonah, Simon, do you love me more than this? this he's, he's talking more than all these other things, more than this boat, more than your family, more than all these. Do you love me? Do you love me? Listen, he tells them this, feed my lambs. And that word right there, the Bible says, it's breaking his stony heart. Because Peter ended up picking up a stony heart. And that word came and it pierced him. That first hit that Jesus talked to him, he ministered to him and he hit him hard. And it took that stony heart that he got because of running, because of shame, because of denying. Come on, that word came and it hit him. And it hit him and he broke that stony heart. The second time that Jesus tells him, do you love me? See, he's, he's being direct. Do you love me? Then something has to change. Do you love me? Pierced his heart down. The first, do you love me? Broke his heart. The second one, pierced his heart. Are we going to allow God's word to break our heart? So the word of God can pierce our heart? So we can allow ourselves to get better? Come on, allow ourselves to get stronger. Allow ourselves to get mightier. Allow to get our passion back, our fire back. The third, do you love me, made him cry and broke him down. The Bible says that Peter was grieved because with that one, it exposed his heart. It exposed his heart. Because a lot of times if we don't expose our heart to God, we are continue allowing ourselves to get back hard again. So he exposed his heart. And he says, that's what he tells him. Look at, when you're young, you're on it, man. You're good, you're good. He goes, but when you get older, you're going to need help. And sometimes he's saying, right now, Peter, you need help. And you're not, you don't have the same strength. You don't have the same power right now. You don't have the same fire. So let me help you like I helped you in the beginning. Come on. Let me help you like I helped you. And you listened and you obeyed and you grew and you became strong. So Jesus is saying, because Why? Because this is the reason why Jesus was doing what he was doing. Jesus got Peter ready for Pentecost. Jesus was getting them ready for the day of Pentecost, for the day of fire, for the day of passion, for the day that he was gonna bless and bring a fire down. He was getting them ready. My question to you today, are you ready for Pentecost? Are you ready to allow God to come and to build a fresh fire in you. Are you ready to allow God to come and feed you and, and restore you and refresh you? Are you ready? I want you to stand with me, stand with me tonight, stand with me tonight. Jesus was getting them ready right before he ascended. This Sunday we're gonna talk about the day of Pentecost and the ascendment. And it's going to get intense. It's perfect because this Sunday is the day of Pentecost. Come on, somebody. The day of Pentecost. And Sunday, I'm going to explain what that is more. And I'm going to get into some things.
But I want you to know that the enemy will use a situation in your life to try to cause you to have fear. The enemy will try to use a situation in your life to keep you from wanting to serve. The enemy will put fear in your life to keep you from having life. The enemy will try to mess with you and use a tragedy to keep you from losing, for you can lose your power. The enemy will cause you not to forgive and let go so that you don't come out and allow yourself to be restored. That's the lie of the enemy. He wants us to stay in our doubt and our unbelief so we can be unreasonable, so we can be stubborn, so we can be aggressive, and we can lose ourselves. He wants us to go through the stuff of the enemy so that we can have a stony heart and not allow our hearts to be pierced. And this is what God was doing. He could have just came and told them all, you like it, you like it, if not, that's your problem. But he didn't. He shows up to the women. He shows up, and the women thought he was a gardener. Parcavala. <laughs> and then he shows up to the disciples. Then he deals with Don and Thomas. And then he deals with Peter. Because why? Peter was an influencer. He was an influencer. Because the Bible says, he, he says, man, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going. I'm going fishing. <laughs> And they said, okay, we're going with you. And that's why when he dealt with Peter's heart and there was a brokenness in Peter, all of a sudden he was getting ready to take him into a whole new breakthrough. Getting ready for the day of Pentecost. And I believe God is dealing with us. God wants us to get off all the junk that this trial, that this COVID-19, that this pandemic put on us. So many stuff coming to our ears. So many things going into our, our minds, into our spirits, into our hearts. And we gotta get it off us. How many believe what I'm saying? We, we need to get it off us. We need to get it off us. Amen. Yeah, I know it's true, but I don't need to have that spirit all over me. Come on, somebody. This is what I want to get in us. There's a lot of stuff that's out there that's crazy right now. But that's not on us. And so that's when we got to fight, believe, and trust. And let God restore the team. Let God restore the leadership. Let God restore the disciples. Let God restore the volunteers. Let God start restore the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. Let a restoration come to you. Let a restoration come to you. Get back your power. Get back your peace. Come on. Get back your peace. Get back your, your fire. Get back your, your power. Get, 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 let God redeem you. Let God redeem you to the fullest. Hallelujah. Let God heal. Let God heal your minds. Let God heal your hearts. How many here tonight are saying, Pastor, I, I need a touch. I need a touch. That's me. That's me. God bless you. God bless you. Honest, say, God, say, I, I, I need full restoration. That's you lift up your hands. Amen. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. Those that are out there watching his life, God sees your hands. God sees your hands. You have to be honest to him. Expose yourself to him. Be willing to expose yourself to God. Which is the reason why a lot of us don't get allow ourselves to get better because we don't expose ourselves. We always want to.
have a relationship with God, it'll take care of your image. Come on, somebody. Your relationship with God will take care of your image. They want to act like they got the perfect marriage. They have an image, but their marriage is dying. They want to act like they're, 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 the most, they're the most on fire people. They got an image, but in reality, they're dying. So that means I'm going to give my marriage, I'm going to give my personal life, I'm going to give my leadership role, I'm going to give my volunteer role, I'm going to give my believing role, I'm giving it to God. Because why? Because I want God to expose it so that I can get better, I can get on fire, I can be passionate, I can be hungry. Or maybe you're here, you don't even know Jesus. You say, Pastor, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. Maybe you watch this and you don't know this Jesus we're talking about. But you want to know this Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus died on the cross and resurrected for this reason. So that you will have, you will have life and life more abundantly. Amen. So hell won't be your home. Heaven will be your home. And maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need Jesus, my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you today, lift up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to God. God bless you. Maybe you're watching this and say, that's me, Pastor. Well, I want to pray for you and I want you to say this prayer before we continue praying. I want you to say this word. Say, Jesus, wash me with your precious blood. Forgive me all my sins come into my heart and make me new I believe that you died for me and resurrected for me in Jesus name amen come on give the Lord a great clap offering amen if you said that prayer God has forgiven you you are redeemed amen no more shame now plug yourself into a church or read your word let God use it a state from evil let God let God let God work in your life.